Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. In today's episode, I am chatting with Jackie Lamplew, a qualified naturopath, reproductive medicine expert, specializing in hormone health for the modern woman. Today, we are chatting all things, the role of the thyroid gland in sex hormone balance and fertility, including how low thyroid function can impact ovulation, the role of elevated antibodies in fertility challenges, and why TSH cannot be used to diagnose thyroid conditions accurately. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to Holistic Health Chats. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation with you today. We're going to be chatting all about the thyroid gland and its implication in sex hormone balance and fertility. And so to start out, Jackie, I'd love uh, if you could just explain to us a bit about what you do day to day in clinic and in relation to fertility, how you're helping couples. Yeah. Hi, Celine. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. I'm so excited to chat to you about all things thyroid. Um, So essentially, I help women get pregnant (laughs) naturally. Um, I'm a naturopath by trade and I have a master's in reproductive medicine. So I specialize in women's health and natural fertility. Um, And I work with couples to help them identify their roadblocks and what's preventing them from falling pregnant and also working with them in regards to balancing hormones, uh, boosting their diet and lifestyle and helping them fall pregnant naturally. Yeah, I love that. Such It must be such a rewarding role that you have being in that particular area of health. Yeah, definitely working in fertility is um, very, a very special area. Um, definitely, you know, getting those positive pregnancy announcements is such a you know, surreal feeling and, and really, really exciting. So I, I feel very fortunate to work in that area because it's so, it's so rewarding and um, filled with so much joy when things all come to fruition. Yeah, definitely. And how did you get into working in fertility? What led you there? Yeah, so this, um, it all kind of happened by chance. (laughs) And I was quite young too um, at the time. Like I wasn't even thinking about um, families and all that kind of thing when it all happened. So I was um, enrolled to study agriculture at university and I just needed a job to get me through uni. And um, I just landed a job in a naturopath clinic. I had no idea what naturopaths were, but I got a reception job and I was happy. And working there, there was a naturopath there at the time who specialised in fertility and uh, worked with women in, you know, fixing their hormones and period pains and those kind of things. And I was really like taken back, like, oh, really? Like taking chase streak and stop period pain. <laughs> um, so just kind of Yes, yeah, quite surprised that, you know, the, the hand you were dealt with your period wasn't the hand that you had to have. 
Um, and then I read a book called Natural Fertility by Francesca Nash. And for those who don't know who Francesca Nash is, she's like the grandmother of natural fertility in Australia and pretty much the pioneer of it. Um, and I read her book and it didn't take me long. I was so in love with this book. And when I finished, I was just like mind blown. Like why had no one ever told me this about, you know, your menstrual cycle and that you're only actually fertile for four to six uh, days of a, a month and that, you know, there's something called fertility awareness method rather than, you know, taking the pill and all this really interesting information that just blew my mind and I kind of felt, you know, why haven't I been taught this before and women need to know this? And that was pretty much it, you know, for me that I, I was I was hooked. <laughs> and um, so I, yeah, dropped out of ag and enrolled to be a naturopath. And from the minute I enrolled, I knew I was going to specialise in hormones and fertility. Um, mm -hmm. So, and here I am, you know, 16 years later, still so passionate about fertility and, and natural fertility and hormones now as I was then. So I did my naturopathy and then studied a master's in reproductive medicine. And it is very interesting, like when I look back now, how much the fertility area has changed in like mm. five, 10 years. And I think it's an area um, of medicine that we're just getting so much new information and new research happening all the time that it's forever um so forever changing and we're getting better mm. shall i say and and learning more about fertility and the you know the blocks that can um implement you know impact couples trying to conceive so yeah it's like you said it's a, such a rewarding area of health to work in um and yeah absolutely very passionate about it still yeah, definitely. How could you not be? I mean, with all of those new changes coming about, what are the, some of the biggest things that have happened in the last five years? Well, I think we know a lot more about um, there's a big area of fertility that's coming on called reproductive immunology. Um, and mm. we're going to touch on that today when we talk about thyroid antibodies. And that whole understanding that the immune system has a big mm. player in whether a pregnancy can establish and the success of a pregnancy, I think, is a big growing area, and especially for women who uh, have had implantation failure, reoccurrent miscarriage. Um, yeah, it's it's really a positive area of knowledge for them, um, and it's allowing us to kind of understand, you know, okay, so when we've got great egg and sperm, you know, why isn't it implanting? Mm -hmm. And I remember when, you know, I first started out, it was all about looking at the hormones in um progesterone estrogen making it all balanced and now it's so much more about you know autoimmune inflammatory conditions mthfr um as as well as still dealing with the hormones so um there's just so many facets to it and it's um yeah just like being a little detective isn't it trying to find out find that root <laughs> cause yeah, yeah yeah i love that so we're talking all about the thyroid today and I'd love if you could just start out by setting the scene for us firstly of what the thyroid is in the body and what it sort of does for our overall hormone balance. Yeah, sure. So if we think of um, our car 
the engine is an incredibly important part. So our car will not run if we don't have an engine. And the thyroid gland is essentially the engine of us. Okay, it sets our metabolic rate. So it um, helps make all the energy that we need. And every single cell within the body has receptors for thyroid hormone and need thyroid hormone in order to function. So the thyroid gland um, sits in your in your neck um, and it's only small. It's only about 20 grams in weight, but it has one of the richest blood supplies um, within the body. So it just shows how much emphasis the body puts on the thyroid gland. Um, and so with how it is regulated, um, the brain produces a hormone known as TSH, so thyroid stimulating hormone, and that tells the thyroid gland to produce a hormone known as T4. T4 is released from the thyroid and that is converted to T3 uh, in our peripheral tissues. So particularly in our liver and kidney uh, responsible for making the most of T3. Now T3 is the most bioactive hormone, the thyroid hormone within the body. So all the role of everything that thyroid does in the body, we can pretty much attribute it to T3. Um, and, and so when it comes to its role within the body, it plays a role in digestion. So if you've got thyroid issues, you're more prone to either diarrhea or constipation, depending on what way it's going on. It'll affect hair growth and your hair shine, your skin um, quality. Of course, it affects fertility and um, hormones. And that's what we're going to be talking about today because the egg and the ovary both contain uh, receptors for mm. thyroid hormone. So it's very, very important for healthy ovulation, uh, healthy progesterone production, and for a regular menstrual cycle that you have a good thyroid function. So if anything goes out there, we always look um, first of all at thyroid function to see if that's the root cause. Yeah, I guess because it has those receptors across the entire body, often the symptoms associated range across many yeah. different body systems. Yeah, they definitely can. Like if someone's got hypothyroidism, so a low function, mm -hmm. they'll be tired, brain fog, constipated, horrible mm -hmm. periods. <laughs> um, or if you're if it's functioning too much, then there's anxiety and a fast heart rate and mm -hmm. um, like excessive hunger. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's, it definitely you, you def ticking boxes in more than just one area of your health. And can people sort of uh, switch between the two, you know, oscillate between hyperthyroidism and hypothyroidism? Yeah, it does happen. Um, and particularly in women with like hypothyroid, they can, if they're not medicated properly, can switch mm -hmm. into a hyperthyroid state. Um, so, you know, they can kind of bounce around there. And, and it all depends, you know, because hyper you can definitely go the other way and sometimes when people are too hyper i know in the previous um you know kind of in history they always just rip the thyroid out to try mm -hmm. and fix it and then they turn into a hypoth state because they don't have the thyroid there to produce any hormones so um yeah you, you it definitely can happen that you can kind of switch to the other one okay mm. and how i mean I guess what is it sort of role we've already touched on this a little bit but in terms of fertility and how it affects progesterone yeah so with um the thyroid hormones of like 
T3, T4, when we're talking about that, in women with what we call hypothyroid to a low thyroid function, because we need those hormones in order to ovulate, for those women, we can see that um, maybe they stop ovulating, so they don't get a period anymore, um, or their periods go really irregular because the body can't get enough hormone to ovulate properly. So all of a sudden they're having really long cycles or really short cycles and things kind of go out of whack. Um, they're also more prone to having heavy period bleeds. So um, definitely if someone's coming in with heavy periods, um, testing thyroid function is one of the mm -hmm. first um, ports of call. Um, the other, because with um, we need thyroid hormone in order to ovulate and ovulation allows us pro to produce progesterone, women can also have low progesterone levels or what we call luteal phase defects. So a luteal phase defect is quite common in the fertility world and it's when mm -hmm. the time between ovulation and they're getting their period is less than 10 days um, and that will have a significant impact on their ability to establish a pregnancy and that luteal phase defects are more often than not caused by thyroid um, function issues mm -hmm. so that's what's going on with the low thyroid side of things with the hyperthyroid the impact on the the menstrual cycle is quite varied some women still have really regular periods um, other women can have quite um, irregular periods or no period at all so it's not as clean cut I guess as you would say with the hypos mm -hmm. um, so often with those women yeah you you definitely need a test test um, thyroid function anyway mm -hmm. because you can't just base it on the fact that there's a thyroid irregularity going on mm, yeah mm. and we've talked a bit about now sort of the difference between hyper basically things are moving faster and hypo things are moving slower so the key symptoms you know with hyper would be like you said the uh, faster or irregular heartbeat often sweating feeling more anxious uh, being hungrier often those women are losing weight as well mm -hmm. and then with the hypo the flip side of that is you know feeling tired sluggish brain fog and often gaining weight is sort of yeah. our classic scenario and I guess sort of my next leading question there is with the antibodies, where do they come in and, and can you have elevated antibodies and not have symptoms? Yeah, you can. <laughs> and I think that's one of the big, um, yeah, big factors in fertility is that they can be a bit asymptomatic, but the thyroids are flaring and they're just struggling to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so when we talk about thyroid antibodies, so this is when the immune system kind of starts attacking the thyroid gland and why it comes on, um, you know, we're not 100% sure. There's definitely a genetic tendency. Women are more prone to autoimmune conditions than men. So there's obviously an estrogen component to it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and definitely, you know, infections, nutrient deficiencies can all play a role. So when we look at thyroid antibodies, it's their role in infertility is very different to the hormones. So the thyroid hormones are going to affect your ability to ovulate, produce progesterone and have a regular cycle. Mm -hmm. The antibodies are going to affect the, the endometrial receptivity. So they're going, the endometrial lining needs 
um, is what is where the en- embryo implants into establish a pregnancy. And the antibodies make that lining very hostile and try and prevent the embryo from actually implanting into the uterus and establishing a pregnancy. Mm. So they have no impact on um, ovulation or a regular menstrual cycle. They'll be affecting it right down at that embryo trying to implant. And so women who have to test positive for thyroid antibodies, it doesn't matter if they're causing Graves' disease or if they're causing Hashimoto's disease, uh, have a two to four fold increased risk of miscarriage. Mm, Yeah. And the interesting thing that we, with antibodies, in the past, um, doctors would only test for antibodies if TSH levels came back abnormal. If they were normal, then, you know, your thyroid's fine, on your way kind of thing. But we know that you can absolutely have antibodies and a normal TSH function. And it's a research um, article that I read recently stated that 79% of women who tested positive for thyroid antibodies had a normal TSH level and that TSH level stayed normal for several years. So under, you know, normal um, guidelines, they would have gone undiagnosed for several years, yet they've got these antibodies kind of burning in the background, preventing um, pregnancy being mm. established. So definitely when it comes to fertility, antibodies are a big deal and they need to be tested because we can't judge it based on your menstrual cycle symptoms. Mm-hmm. We can't base it on TSH levels. To really know what those antibodies are doing is you absolutely just have to get them tested. There's only, there's three antibodies that we need to test and thyroglobulin, thyroid peroxidase and TSH receptor antibodies. Um, and it's just a simple blood test. So it really doesn't take much to have a good understanding of where those antibodies are at. Mm. And so testing the antibodies, is that something you recommend for, say, all women who are looking to conceive or are you only recommending it in your clients uh, who are struggling to conceive or who maybe have experienced a miscarriage? Yeah, so I recommend it kind of across, pretty much across the board Mm. for all my clients who are trying to conceive. um, I'll run a thyroid antibody blood test definitely if you've had a miscarriage if you've had implantation failure so whether that's through IVF or um, through natural or a chemical pregnancy then you definitely need to be testing thyroid antibodies yeah Mm, yeah and what about uh, say if other females in your family you know have had recurrent miscarriages is that a bit of a red flag for you if you're not a red flag but I guess you know an indication for you to think, okay, well, if I'm looking at trying to conceive in the next few years and, uh, you know, this is something I need to look into? Yeah, definitely. I always ask about family history and, um, and you know, if there's miscarriage or if sisters have had miscarriage or even just autoimmune conditions in general because often autoimmune conditions, whether it be um, psoriasis Mm -hmm. or rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, those kind of autoimmune diseases do make, can make um, individuals more predisposed to any form of an autoimmune disease. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's definitely really important to kind of ask those questions um, with your clients to to get that understanding of family history and, and, you know, help kind of paint the picture on, you know, where their blocks may be. Definitely. And coming back to, so 
if, for example, you have tested positive for antibodies, I know they're a bit of a sliding scale uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, labs across Australia do differ depending on where the cutoff is. You know, some is usually they want under six, some under 60. Uh, And I think 60 is sort of the highest I've seen it at on, on most labs that I've done with clients. So is there, you know, when you're working with clients, is do you have your own cutoff where you're happy working at uh, versus ones where you're flagging it as more of an issue? That makes sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, that does make sense. Um, do I, I can, I don't have an ideal range. Yeah. Um, I, definitely all the labs have a different range and I gauge it on where they sit within that lab's range. Mm-hmm. So if they're like, obviously over and in the red then there's no doubt about it we start treatment mm-hmm. now if they present with thyroid antibodies but they're within the norm so you know recently i've had a client whose you know antibodies are like 30 and they like you said they should be below 60 then i flag it um and bear in mind because we don't know what those antibodies are doing this is just one blood mm. test are they rising have they been that way for six years or is that this something that's just come on in the last six weeks? So if it, they're sitting there, then I would retest them in like three to six months, depending on if they've fallen pregnant in that time or what else we're working with. So I get a good understanding of, you know, what those thyroid antibodies are doing. Mm-hmm. Now, if they sit um, at the like lower end, the higher end, sorry, of the normal range, then, you know, I always consider what we're treatment-wise, what we're going. So when we're looking at treating thyroid antibodies, there's some really kind of key nutrients that we need. Mm -hmm. Selenium and myo-inositol are, you know, the number one treatment plan for thyroid antibodies. So we're looking at about 200 micrograms of selenium, 600 milligrams of myo-inositol have shown to help reduce thyroid antibodies, reduce the inflammation and prevent um, postpartum thyroiditis. Mm -hmm. So even if someone is sitting at the higher end of a normal thyroid antibody, I will usually start them on at least that, making sure they've got enough selenium in their diet, Mm -hmm. fish oil. Um, So we're already kind of tackling it and not waiting for it to go high because who's to say it's not going to fall into the high uh, marking two weeks after the blood test has been done. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, you know, it's always important to get that uh, data over time, that history of the person's mm-hmm. test results, because one test result is, of course, interesting, but we need often a little yeah. bit more data to say definitively how things are progressing or, or moving in yeah. one direction or another. And there's lots, um, you know, that you can do to kind of help prevent or reduce thyroid mm-hmm. antibodies naturally anyway so um you know definitely if we we test we know what's going on and then we can kind of track it down mm-hmm. the future and make sure it doesn't become a problem for many women yeah so what are your key uh, i guess nutritional lifestyle approaches that you recommend to women with i guess you know thyroid antibodies or hypothyroidism yeah um and we haven't talk too much about hypo we kind of um, talked a lot about the antibodies side of things so the way you treat them is a little bit different because we're dealing with the antibodies we're really dealing with immune system 
issues and the thyroid antibodies where uh, sorry the thyroid hormone deficiencies we're dealing with you know production and often nutritional issues as well so if we talk about the thyroid hormone side of things first of all so that's where we want to be testing tsh t4 and t3 now the interesting thing with t3 is you know they say about four percent of women have um, hypothyroid, so an underactive thyroid, which is more a lot more common than a hyperthyroid. And about 20% of women struggling to conceive have thyroid issues. But I believe that that percentage is actually a lot more because we have a lot of undiagnosed thyroid antibodies and it doesn't take into account women with subclinical hypothyroidism. So subclinical hypothyroid is um, a big area. Um, when we look at the TSH range, the normal range is up to four. So it's, de again, depending on level. Lucy Goosey. Yeah, it's at one or 0 0.5 or something and to four. Um, but studies show that women who have a TSH of greater than 2.5, uh, it takes them longer to conceive and they're at a much higher risk of miscarriage than women with TSH that is less than 2.5. And this women, this group of women um, respond quite um, positively to thyroid support. Mm -hmm. So um, often your doctor will kind of, you know, look at your TSH. If it sits within the, the limits of up to four, they'll say, it's fine, no worries. But I really want, really urge you to have a look at your blood tests and just see where is that TSH sitting. If mm. it's sitting above 2.5, then it's you're considered subclinical hypothyroidism and um, you would definitely benefit from treatment, especially if you were trying to conceive, then trying to get that below 2.5 is really important. Now, when we're looking at thyroid hormones, we really want to focus on some key nutrients like iodine, iron, zinc, selenium, and making sure women are getting enough protein because they're the building blocks of our thyroid hormones. Mm -hmm. So the thyroid gland itself takes up like 80% of all the iodine we consume. So it's huge. Mm -hmm. And particularly Australian women, um, because our soils are quite deficient in iodine, um, but 30% of women of childbearing age don't have enough iodine. And iodine is incredibly important for fertility. So women with lower low iodine take twice as long to conceive as women with normal iodine levels. And iodine is incredibly important in the mental development and the brain development of uh, children. So that's again you know if you're looking at thyroid hormones and things are out then you know testing iodine is a must iron is incredibly important also for the conversion of t4 to that active t3 and you think how many women you see who are deficient in iron um and so and i was reading something the other day that actually um was quite interesting and it said that hypothyroidism can cause anemia Mm. And women who have anemia oh, and when given thyroid hormone and iron together, mm -hmm. these women's iron levels um, increase a lot quicker than if they were just taking iron. Mm, so fascinating. I, yeah, because we you don't normally put two and two together in, in that way. I, deficiency iron, you think, oh, we'll just give them iron. But, yeah, it's important to also check thyroid. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
And then selenium and zinc. So selenium and zinc help convert T4 to the active T3. So that's why we always need to see what T3 is doing. And often we can balance those hormones just by nutritional nutritional. So it can be quite easy in that regards. I always recommend though that women test iodine, zinc and iron Mm -hmm. um, before taking supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously if you take too much iodine, you can get hypothyroidism. So, yeah, just making sure, you know, if there's issues with the thyroid, then test those nutrients and um, supplement accordingly. Yeah, it's always important to be cautious with that. Yeah. And how does it differ, say, uh, for example, those nutrients that you talked about, um, if someone has both the elevated antibodies and low thyroid hormones do you uh adjust anything there well um or just being very cautious of iodine supplement Mm -hmm. um because that's often that can be a bit of a controversial area i taking iodine and having positive thyroid antibodies um usually if i'm treating women for fertility pregnancy multis always have some iodine in them because it's important so I'm happy with that dose, but I wouldn't dose them any higher if they've mm-hmm. got active antibodies. Um, selenium is incredibly important for treating antibodies, and we know that's important for thyroid function anyway. And zinc is important for thyroid function, and it also plays an important role in um, immune conditions and regulating the immune system. So you, you often find that by working on antibodies, you're also helping balance just the thyroid hormone component as well yeah yeah definitely and what are and I know that this could be a whole podcast in of itself but the common causes you know of those elevated antibodies and I know that is a very multi-dimensional question because there's so many parts to that Uh, but I guess the common things that you're seeing in clinic certainly um, root causes of those elevated antibodies. Um, Do we ever really find the root cause? I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, So often what we see as the most common causes of um, antibodies would be dysregulation of the immune system. So vitamin Mm -hmm. D deficiency is very closely linked. Um, Low vitamin D, higher tendency for um, antibodies. So there's one, genetic is a huge one. Women are more predisposed, stress. Um, and, we, you know, I have a large component of my fertility clients who do have thyroid antibodies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say about 60% of the women I treat have po- are at least positive for thyroid antibodies. Um, is it becoming more apparent these days or are we just better at testing for it? Mm. Um, not sure, but definitely our lives are a lot more stressful than they were kind of 20, 40 mm. years ago. So stress is a big one. They also talk about um, infection can be a cause of autoimmune disease. Um, and, you know, sometimes is it kind of worth really diving super deep to find the cause, but um, you can't kind of underestimate the role that gut health plays in mm. autoimmune conditions and keeping a healthy immune system. So often uh, if we've got leaky gut, bad bacteria going on in the gut, then it can predispose us more to certain um, causes of autoimmune disease. So, 
Yeah. yeah, it's definitely trying to find the root cause can kind of open a minefield of um, where to start looking. And I'm not sure if we ever really definitely find the cause, but we can often make good progress in treatment, even without finding that absolute un, um, underlying cause. And I also want to kind of, you know, let women know who are um, trying to conceive mm-hmm. and test positive for thyroid antibodies, that it's not about getting your antibody levels back down to zero. Mm-hmm. Often that's an unrealistic goal. It's about stabilizing them or reducing them and reducing them. Even if we can just stabilize them, that can be enough to allow them to get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. If those thyroid antibodies are flaring, that's when it's going to have the biggest impact on fertility. So, you you know, I've seen a lot of women get pregnant with um thyroid antibodies you know in over the thousands um okay but we've been managed to kind of stabilize it there and and kind of you know if you think of it as a fire mm. <laughs> kind of control that fire and it and it allows yeah pregnancy to take hold so if you've got antibodies it's definitely not the um the be all and end all you can fall pregnant with the right management and support and same with those women struggling with hyperthyroid or hypothyroid um it's about being aware of you know what is your fertility blocks and what is causing you to kind of not conceive and then seeking the right treatment for that so um Mm. often you know once treatment starts the thyroid is quite receptive you know in, in we do get quite good success rates with treating thyroid issues with fertility mm-hmm. and is there any you know I know often well not I, maybe not often but another cause is uh heavy metal toxicity yeah. and so I was wanting if wondering if you could explain a bit more about that and, and certainly its role in potentially blocking some of the uptake of certain nutrients and and how you see that play out in clinic yeah, so definitely there's a big role in um, the blocking of iodine uptake into the thyroid is a big one with like bromine and um, f- um, fluoride. So, you know, what's in our drinking water and bromine's quite common in bread. Um, yeah, so that definitely does play a big role and and that's where you would be looking at things like testing for iodine Mm. testing for zinc testing for iron Um, and if those come back low or issues and and then you need to consider deeper into you know what could you know are we not getting and taking in enough iodine Um, do we have heavy metals or are we taking in um other minerals that are blocking our absorption or our assimilation of those key nutrients. Um, and, and that's, you know, where we talk to a lot of women about, you know, diet wise. So making sure you're, if you've got thyroid issues, drinking filtered water and avoiding that kind of fluorine in your waters, um, limiting your intake of commercial breads um, is an, another big one. Um, so just kind of being quite, you know, mindful of that impact and we've also got to consider endocrine disrupting chemicals Mm. um and the toxins that we're exposed to in our environment almost fall into that list of um heavy metals that we can't really test for them as easily as the heavy metal side of things but they will impact um thyroid function so um percolates Mm -hmm. the thyroid will take that up in 
in place of iodine and you know, obviously you can't make a thyroid hormone out of that and that um particular chemical comes from things like rocket fuel <laughs> but it's found in our drinking waters um so you know why filter filtering your water is so important it's mortifying when you hear stats yeah. like that isn't it yeah you, you'd think oh i'm not i'm not um you know nasa i don't uh, have exposure mm. to rocket fuel but surprisingly enough yeah it's quite we do so before we move along, the key tests people sh- or women should be looking at getting when trying to conceive in general, really, because, you know, prevention is always better than cure and we want to find out these things early on, uh, yeah. would be, say, TSH, T4, T3, and then your three antibodies and reverse T3 as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, reverse T3 is often a harder one to come by. Mm. Um, so those six are absolutely key. And reverse T3 is definitely a beneficial optional extra, um, which we didn't really touch much on today. But you can't go wrong by measuring um, those six components that you spoke about. Yeah, it's great, I think, to get that full picture because, as we've talked about, if you're just testing TSH, and I've seen, you know, you've used this analogy before of, you know, you're judging a book by its cover. You're not actually seeing that full picture there. And, you know, certainly in clinic, I've seen a number of TSHs that look great, but then you're looking at the client's symptoms and thinking, well, I just think it could be the thyroid. And, you know, of course you get that testing back and it is. So, you know, often, unfortunately in Australia, the way the system is sort of set up, TSH uh, is tested first and if it's out of range then the next steps are to go on and test t4 mm-hmm. and then if that's out of range then we go on to test other things but we know straight up that those reference ranges that we're looking at for tsh and t4 are too wide anyway yes. so you know that's problem number one and then problem number two is that tsh could look textbook perfect and yeah you could still have those elevated thyroid antibodies. And so, uh, you know, you can always engage your GP in a conversation about that and and try and get those uh, that full thyroid panel done. But unfortunately, sometimes you are going to be looking at uh, paying for that testing out of pocket, which, you know, I think it's, you know, it's great information to have and, depending on the lab you're using, it will be around sort of the two, $200 mark, something like that for that, that full range of testing. Yeah. And I think we're quite um, fortunate these days that there is that option for private testing. Mm, that for you sure. Can, yeah, you can seek out further testing yourself if um, for whatever reason your doctor says no. Yeah. And are there any herbal, uh, being a naturopath, any herbal Mm. solution strategies that you like using in clinic? Yeah, um, I do use a lot of herbs, particularly when it comes to the antibody side Mm. of things. Um, Really, when when we're working with antibodies, it's all about immune system. Mm. So um, I love the herb hemidesmus. That's wonderful at regulating the immune system and reducing antibodies. And then Romania and Echinacea are also some go-tos for um, autoimmune support. Mm -hmm. Um, The thyroid side of things, um, if we're trying to kind of boost thyroid function, um, I don't 
you know, really think you can go to past coleus um, as a metabolic booster there with thania because that also very much helps with t4 uh, mm. t3 conversion and production um and you know with thania is just the perfect herb for oh, it's everything isn't it <laughs> our busy lifestyles and our, our stressful world so to show you so it um definitely plays an important role in progesterone production and and thyroid health so you cannot go past with thania when it comes to yeah thyroid function i love that so Key nutrients uh, for the thyroid looking at in food first, but of course, if you do have that testing and you're working with a practitioner, potentially looking at supplements to fill in the gap, and those would be iron, zinc, iodine, selenium, vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. perfect. And, you know, the thyroid, it's it's a very complicated, uh, it's very, com- it's straightforward, but complicated at the same time, right? Because, yeah. you know, uh, if you do speak to a GP about it, you're going to have typically a very different conversation uh, than you would potentially have with someone like you, Jackie, or someone like me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have those symptoms and you're Googling online and that kind of thing, I mean, you're just going to come across all sorts of different information on what to do and, and what the next best step is. So I do really think if you've identified that it is an issue for you, then, you know, it is important to work with a practitioner in order to come up with a bit of a plan because often with managing that there's a lot of retesting along the way and along the journey you know certainly if you're looking at something like iodine because you've got the low hormones but you've also got the elevated antibodies I mean that if you're supplementing would want to be monitored relatively Mm. closely so that's where you know it's best to work with a practitioner so that you're not uh over supplementing anything and that things you're continually I guess monitoring that progress and seeing it move in in the right trajectory yeah absolutely because yeah the thyroid often has a whole mind of its own (laughs) it can jump around um a fair bit so it's always um, important to work with someone who's quite you know familiar with it and can keep you um with your supplements and your testing regime definitely and just one thing we didn't touch on was uh gluten is that something you often are talking with your clients about yeah if there's antibodies then yeah. gluten's yep yeah, uh, off the scene yeah yes. straight away <laughs> yes 100% and even stretch that to avoiding dairy if there's antibodies mm-hmm. um in regards to if like thyroid hormones are out then i do be mindful of gluten because you know that can contribute to leaky gut mm-hmm. and in, impact our absorption of new, key nutrients like our zinc, our selenium, and our iodine. So it's definitely not across the board no gluten. Um, and I take it very much on a client by client basis, depending on what else their symptom picture is showing. But if there's antibodies, then yeah, gluten straight straight no (laughs) yes definitely and you know certainly that just touching on that really quickly the role of the gut which we didn't even get to but it's not always a problem of you know not the right nutrients going in your mouth it's often uh also but instead of you know that your gut is actually not absorbing those appropriately so in those particular instances you know throwing more iron in there isn't necessarily going to fix the issue if the issue is that you know you've got some kind of gut dysbiosis that's actually preventing absorption from occurring in the first place 
Yeah, yeah. You're 100% right. There's no system that works in isolation within the body. It's all All connected. connected. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Jackie. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to the conversation uh, for the listeners? I think we've covered a fair bit um, of today and really kind of tackled a lot of the questions around the thyroid and fertility and the role that it plays. So um, nothing else to add, but definitely if your listeners have questions, reach out to um, your your naturopath, your um, health practitioner, and really uh, get some answers. So, you know, don't just take no for for an answer, get second opinions if you need and, uh, and make sure you get the thorough testing done. Yeah, certainly. And don't, don't settle for the TSH, you know, yeah. get, get the full picture. Yeah. Um, thank you. And where can our listeners, you know, get in touch with you and find out more if they're wanting to book in a consultation with you or, or have a chat with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am, um, my website is just my name. So JackieLamplew.com and my Instagram handle is at JackieLamplew. So um, I'm very active on Instagram and provide lots of um, information for couples trying to conceive. So, you know, follow along there and you're always welcome to DM me if you've got any questions as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.